right, welcome to this edition of We Need This. I'm Dr. Chris Drumheller, Professor of Communication. I'm Nate Smith, Professor of Counselor Education. And we are two extroverts who created this podcast because we need this to, to socialize and talk with other people besides those in our house. Yes, today it's April 4th, um, which is a Saturday. We, we took some time off in between uh, recording the last couple of episodes just to kind of, I don't know, be fresh. And, you know, I admit I was, went through, I had a little bit of a, a feeling a little blue um, there for a while of just about all of this stuff. And um, But anyway, um, a lot has, I think, happened. The United States has taken the lead in the number um, of, of coronaviruses in the United States. I mean, excuse me, in the world, and um, yeah, it's it's still pretty pretty stark out there at some points, um, and so we are still social distancing, right? And and, and so that's the the podcast. <laughs> Can I mention that a little bit real quick? Um, I saw a friend of mine posted the difference between physical distancing and social distancing. Like he does not like this word social distancing because it isn't actually truly what we're supposed to be doing. We are supposed to physically distance from Mm -hmm. each other. I thought that was a great point that um, we are using a term that we actually don't want to do, right? We don't want to socially distance from people. We want to make sure we're still engaging. Yeah. Physically distance in those social spaces or not go to social spaces. So interesting language issue here. What do you think? I actually thought that very same thing. And and one point I was when I was really heavy into watching all the daily White House briefings about this stuff. I've since taken a a, a good gigantic step back because it was just too uh, can really actually cause some anxiety and trauma. Anyway, um, Dr. Burks, you know, Deborah Burks, she's the coordinator for the coronavirus task force and all that. Um, she called it social isolating. And I thought that, I mean, I don't know if she meant that and if it was off the cuff or what the deal was, but I was like, cause social distancing already was kind of like, Ooh, I don't know. Cause, cause socially we really need to be engaging each other a lot and supporting each other a lot. Now the way in which we do that course like your friend was talking about physically is you know we're not really uh, encouraging that right now but social distancing and physical you know like social isolating like that's that's the last thing you should be doing another layer put yourself in confinement yeah like i mean this isn't you know i don't know if you watch the orange is the new black but they call it seg you know it's like the you what do you call it the isolating when they isolate them right uh, and, and like, we're not, we should be doing that. We should be engaging each other even more now. Um, and I definitely, yeah, I agree. So I think that's something that's a little, uh, we need to be paying attention to that. I'll tell you another thing that was very interesting um, is I was on social media and we're going to, we're going to get into our topic of the day soon. But um, since we're just kind of sharing, I thought it was very interesting. These conversations of like, I saw this, this, Facebook post that was like, you know, you have, if now is the time to get into your hobbies and the things you've been meaning to get to. And if you don't, it just means that you didn't have the time. It was a lack of want or something to that effect, you know? And, and, and then like the other thing was like, you're not working from home. You're at home working during a crisis. Like I love the way that people are correcting our thinking like this, it, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, this is the time I can get a lot of stuff done and everything, you know, and I'll, I, they call it hustle porn, which is a pretty, like, a, you know, 
jarring term, but it's quite true when people like post, they're like, oh yeah, I've written, you know, a hundred pages of my new book, or I just cleaned out the garage and all these things. And, and it's kind of like, there are a lot of people who are like feeling this like, guilt and shame about not being as that productive, you know? Um, and it's kind of like, I keep having to remind myself, my husband and sort of the people I talk to that, hey, it's a crisis. There's a global pandemic out there that has completely changed the way in which we have thought and behaved in society. Okay, so it's okay if you didn't get up to cleaning out your attic or, you know, if you're just kind of maintaining, you know. I mean, what have you seen this? Yeah, I have seen it. And I'm still working from home doing I don't have extra time. I don't know what anybody's talking about. I still have things that I can't get to that I was struggling to get to before all of this happened. Mm -hmm. So, and, and there are some things that have taken up a little more of my time. I do more cleaning and disinfecting and things like that. Um, you know, 20 seconds of hand washing a lot during the day adds up. I don't know. <laughs> that is a lot of time. I'm all of a sudden to um, clean out my garage or, you know, do all these other things that, um, people are saying. But in, in addition to that, like you said, we have to give ourselves time to be depressed or feel laggy or whatever, because the news is unsettling or it is going to start getting to even though those of us who are hanging in there doing pretty well, there are days that I'm be like, oh, I can't believe we're still doing this and we still can't get out. I mean, I joked yesterday that I had a party. I actually saw a friend because I dropped off food at their porch and she came out, gave me a thumbs up from my car where I was giving her a thumbs up. I mean, you know, right. Yeah. We totally physically distanced, but it was like, Ooh, for a moment we shared a space. That was <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. And, and that, I think, you know, for me personally, I'm generally general, and this is where the extroversion piece comes in. I'm generally a pretty, I don't want to say upbeat guy because I can get kind of cranky, but I'm not predisposed to like the like depression as a mental health diagnosis, right? My flavor of mental health stuff is like anxiety, is preoccupation, worry, rumination, things like that. But I don't actually have like a depressive diagnosis. But I can tell you that, and I've felt depression, like, like what I would call clinical grade depression at times in my life. And re there was a couple of days ago, I think earlier this week, and you and I talked about this off air, about like there was like a probably a good two or three day stint where I was pretty depressed. And, and it was like genuine, like low energy, low mood, just like, like, um, uh, what was it? Uh, anhedonia. Like I was just not interested in the things I generally enjoy. Like, I mean, I genuinely was like laying on the couch, just kind of glazed over Like, and, and, and I told, I turned to my husband who is, who's fabulous, wonderfully supportive in this situation, particularly. Um, and I said, I can't imagine folks who deal with this way of being, the state of, of sensation, like in not a global crisis pandemic, you know, like just sort of every day. And, and so A, it's given me more empathy, but B, it was like, I really had to check in with myself and be like, it's okay that you feel this way. And, and you have to sort of feel these feelings and move through them. And, and, and thankfully, since then, I've been on the upswing. But, um, you know, this stuff is legitimate. And as an extrovert who gets my energy from people, being around people, and yes, Zoom and all of those things are very helpful and, and a decent substitution. I haven't, like, I have like a standing brunch with some friends. There's like four or five of us that go um, every week or every other week. I haven't been doing them in like a month and a half, which I know like, oh, that sounds like such a white privilege problem. But as an extrovert, I'm going, 
I need my people. Like I'm genuinely like starved for people. Anyway, it's definitely been an experience. Yeah. You know, we, we typically will have people over for movies or, you know, in, in fact, we got the, we bought the theatrical on demand of Emma and I'm still really irritated. That I was like, I need more people to watch this to make the 20 bucks worth it. <laughs> Right, right. I would have oh, thought nothing yeah. of, hey, let's have four or five people over and let's watch it. But I couldn't even get the other two people in my house to watch it. So. <laughs> it's just your, by yourself. Boy, that's an extrovert's plight. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> it's, it's a rough, it's rough going for, for everybody involved. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's tricky. The whole thing is sort of tricky. And I, I, I wish that I could say, you know, as a counselor, I want to be like, you know, I'm a big believer in like, in hope and installing hope and and I'm doing my best I'm as a counselor I'm having a hard time holding on to hope um in the sense of like I mean it's gonna I think it's gonna be fine it's just like it's the my my hope endurance level is pretty low right now you know um but it's well uh, hopefully we can we can get back to the energy and to the people before long if people will stay home right and get this to go at least you know slow right well and yeah i mean that's the hope right and and i think this kind of leads us in, into our conversation of today is like talking about i called it you know the topic of veracity right which is like um well like how would you describe veracity it's truth it's finding accuracy and truth in the in the stories that we're hearing or what we're saying yeah Right, right. And so, yeah, and that's what I would say. I would, the other word would be accuracy, like factual accuracy. And, and particularly now in this day and age, you know, like I've heard us described politically anyways, a post-fact world, right? Like alternative facts, fake news, all that. Um, and it, it seems to me, and I want to know what your take on this is, is that when there is this sort of mass hysteria or this mass panic, you know, which rightfully so, by the way, and justifiably so, um, there's a tendency to like, I don't know, I just see an upswing in, in unsubstantiated information. Right. So um, to get a little bit all professorial here, so, uh, so we talk a lot about various media theories and we talk about media hype and we talk about, you know, what kind of panic ensues and is it really about the media? And one of the things that I really like to remind students is, what we look at from the media is about influencing others and, and influencing what we talk about. So like agenda setting, for example, and influencing that agenda. But to suggest that media cause us to do any of the things that we do, cause us to panic, ignores a lot of, of steps. In fact, older theories suggested sort of that magic bullet, you know, the, the news media would say it and you'd automatically believe or act or whatever. And there's really far more, like when we talk about two-step flow, we go from media to influencer to individuals and the social media, that's so much, you know, so much more um, widespread. And so um, a lot of this hype gets spread, not just because the media, because let's face it, I mean, I don't care if the media has had 66,000 mentions. I didn't watch 66,000 mentions. I watched what I wanted to watch. I saw my social media peers talking about things. Um, and so I, there are a lot of variables that are in place when we talk about panic. The media did not make people go out and buy toilet paper. They influenced conversations that 
then led people to act in particular ways and those people maybe influence their other friends. So there's a lot of variables at play that we need to be keeping in mind. And so when we add um, false information, we add, add inaccurate information, that just complicates the mix, right? Because now people are acting in ways and sharing stories in ways that aren't true. And that becomes very problematic, obviously, when um, we need people to participate in health, healthy activity, for example, or we need um, people to vote in particular ways. We need them to know the, the truth behind what they're voting, not just what Russia has sent us. Right, right, right. And I think that's a, a, an interesting um, way. I had never heard it put that way, where it's as if it's almost that the media is sort of the baited hook and then we're the fish who decide to either buy it or not buy it. Is that, is that kind of what you're describing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, where they, when they set the agenda they're they're the editors are going, here's, here's what we're going to pull from the story that we want people to talk about, or we think people should talk about. And, and legitimately they might think that's the most important thing that should be talked about. I mean, there, there are, you know, you, we could talk about, you know, the political pieces behind editorial decisions and all that. I mean, there's those factors certainly, but whether or not we pick that up depends on us and whether or not we choose. So probably the most uncritical of us is watching one news source or one type of news source. And that's across the spectrum. That's not just one kind of viewer. And so what happens is we are just getting fed a particular viewpoint. And then we have social groups that are probably also watching those same media sources and we're, we're getting fed and we're feeding on that same information. So if we want to be critical, scholar, uh, critical of the information we're getting, um, getting at the veracity, we have to look at multiple sources, including ones that we don't care for, ones we would never look at. We need to be listening to people in our social group who don't agree with us in order for us to kind of figure those things out. But we have to be willing to do the research. And that's the truth of it is most of us aren't willing to do the research. Well, and I, th I mean, to, to name the issue there is it's exhausting to try to substantiate everything you encounter. And, and I'll tell you, I am, I am notorious, at least amongst my group of friends of being the, are you sure guy like the, are you sure about that? Is that, what did you, you know, I want to see the, the primary sources on things. I'm not like, I, I bust my friend's chops who send me, you know, these chain letters or like, I heard a story about a friend of a friend of a friend, you know, and it's kind of like, because the reason why is that I am, you know, as a therapist, you work a lot with like people's inner monologue, right? That is in, in one of the, one of the ways, and it's, it comes out of the field of cognitive behavioral therapy, but one of the ways in which you sort of, you start kind of myth busting uh, anxiety and anxious thoughts is, is through, is through kind of questioning their veracity, right? You know, is there, is there proof that people are going to laugh at you if you, cut your hair a certain way or whatever, you know, like, like how, and so beginning to help my clients like start to install those sort of skills of like, of what we call thought stopping or, or, or questioning, you know, these automatic thoughts. And, and so it becomes a paramount in particularly in these times of high stress and high anxiety that we do that. And just neurologically speaking, you know, our brains are, are when we, when we are anxious, the part of our brain that, uh, kicks off or goes offline is the analytical thought, you know, the, 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 the logical part of the brain. And so, and so for me, it's like, I have to really consciously start from that place because I don't want to give in to the anxiety 
or to the fear and then start believing whatever crazy thing, you know, that comes across my, my, my media diet. And so, because, and so being skeptical, just coming from a place of skepticism is, I think a way in which is way you, you can address some of the anxiety and fear that you may encourage. But I also recognize that it's an extraordinarily uh, exhausting thing to try to do all the time, you know? And, and I think, um, as you mentioned, exhaustion, I think one of the things we've got to keep in mind if you're, you're anxious or you're, you haven't slept well, that's the easiest time for us to get scammed even. So let's talk about that other piece of it where you know people try to get your information is because we're tired and we're not thinking straight and we go, oh, and we click on something or we do something. And so you know when we read information that we feel like we want to pass on and we know we haven't slept, it might be good to go, let me, let me sit on this a little bit. Yeah, I saw something recently that I thought was a really good piece. It kind of walks through um, some of the historical things we talk about CDC and sort of these things. It was great, but it didn't have sources. And so I was like, I might have passed this on. I, I will have to take the time to go through and find sources for all of these things in order to feel like it's worth my time to pass on. Um, I'm notorious for saying, you know, basically, if you didn't write it, don't post it. Mm-hmm. rarely do I like to put, I put up a meme if it's funny or just something cute, you know, cats, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I tend less to do that with politics because it's like, did, cause I have to have looked through it, check the source, find out where it came from. And so I, I don't like to post those kinds of things. And so I have to be really, I try to be really careful about that. Not that I'm perfect, but that I, I've become very aware that when I'm posting those things, um, I should be able to answer for it. Oh, sure. On social media, you know, my philosophy has been and my policy on my, say, my social media pages is I do post ideological content that maybe isn't necessarily verified. But that is I, I do that with the caveat of, look, I agree with it, whether or not. But at the same time, um, there is like I, I how do I say this? And this is more in the political realm when it comes to like health and like things that are, you know, not so because like. I'm a political hobbyist. I'll admit it. I, you know, there's a great, I heard this great Ezra Klein interview with a, uh, a gentleman who works for, I want to say he works for the Wharton School of Business, if that's right. He's a professor that um, researches political hobbyism, right? And so it's just sort of like sharing, you know, your Twitter feed or what, you know, Facebook pages or whatever. So I believe, I, I definitely am that. <laughs> and so, so I'll share things that are ideological, but with the, under the auspices of like, you can totally block me. You can totally remove me from your feed. You don't have to engage in that. Um, and for me, it comes more into like those I'm able to, cause I try to anyway. And I, it's not always, I'm not, I, I do fall subject to my own biases often. Um, when it, I try to be aware of like, I'm posting the, like the purpose and the reason why and, and, and to know um, conscientious or consciously, like I'm posting this just because I agree with it, right? Like it's some really radical quote from a whatever or something that I, it's just ideologically I agree with it versus like, I'm not passing that off as factual. I don't think in any way, shape or form that it is. Whereas there are things you can run across online that you go, it sounds right, right? Or I agree with it, even if it's wrong. That's fine if you want to share it ideologically, but at the same time, don't try to say, well, this is, evidence. This is factual. This is uh, legitimate. And, and I think that oftentimes people conflate the two, you know? I think um, and, that's a good point, yeah. And I think, yeah, and, and I think that uh, uh, particularly in times of high stress and high anxiety, like what we're doing now, 
is it's like, look, this is not the time for ideology. I'm a really big proponent. Like, you know, I was finding myself agreeing with, say, with the president, right, on certain things. In those, and I was going, there was, this, there was like me looking at me going like, for real? And I'm going, actually, kind of yes, because there are things like he's doing that I'm going, yeah, I think we should do more of it. I don't think it's enough, you know, um, or whatever. But, it, but that's not an ideology thing. I can't, I've never been good at being like black and white, ideologically speaking, right? I have my positions and I'm willing to be swayed. And then there's another side of me where it's like, that is so not practical right now. Like being like, this is not the time to stick your, you know, your flag on the ground and go, I'm not moving. If if the other side has a legitimate point, then then, then you have to be willing to hear it, you know? And so, I don't know, I kind of got off on a rambly tangent, but you get my point. It, It is funny to me that public health should be one of those areas where we are most willing, especially something like a novel disease, we should be most willing to take in information from all different sides and all different sources because we need to learn about what the different viewpoints are what are what are some of the um, things that we're really facing and and i think that um, the fact that we're not as a society willing to do that is part of what's causing some of the issues where some people are like all in yes we're going to stay in our house we're protecting community health and we've got others who are still on the beaches yeah they're not looking at the the broader scope of they're listening to and what they're doing, I, I firmly believe, is they're listening to the voice that tells them how they can have the most freedom. And, and that's no. problematic right now. Implicit bias, right? Or like, right. Or, or it appeals to what they want to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and look, I'm just as guilty as anybody else of doing that. Um, but at the same time, you're right. There has to be some areas that are sacred. And I, for me, like health and public health absolutely have to be yeah. that way. Like the fact that like, say for instance, Dr. Fauci, right? Who's this extraordinary, like, like he's the leading medical expert in the United States, arguably, right? Or one of, and people like, he had to increase his security. He's getting what? death threats. What is that? I'm like, I mean. This man is trying to keep America alive. And there are people who are accusing him of the most ridiculous things, but Further, but even further, they're, they're threatening his, his personal safety because yeah. he's trying to keep people alive. Yeah, and that's not okay. And I, I really, that is one of the things that I find really devastating right now. You know, when you try to find things that are hopeful and communities coming together and then you hear stories like that and realize, hey, this man is, can't even do his job, um, which is for all of us without... Being, fearing for his life. I think that's yeah. just and And, you know, and like, I'm, I have extraordinary respect for people like in him and his position who he's so brilliant, right? And really could go into private industry and do, be far more financially secure than he is, right? I mean, because those government jobs, he's, you know, don't pay what they should, what, what he's worth, certainly. But he's there and he's doing public service, you know? And someone like him or Dr. Deborah Burks, you know, like they're there and like, the, and, and so it, it, it's befuddling to me. And I don't understand why, you know, I just don't get it from both the political side, but then also like from an objective perspective, I'm going, what is, he's a doctor. He wants to help you, you know? 
Okay, so that takes us to this other issue of, and when we're talking about veracity and truth, if we don't trust experts, science, we've really moved into an era where, where leaders have encouraged us not to trust the scientists who are talking about climate change, the scientists who are talking about a novel disease, um, that we, you know, I think we could have been much more ahead of this if we had experts that were in the positions that they needed to be in. And we haven't had that type of thing in the last few years. So, you know, how do we really get at veracity when we don't even have the people who know how to get the information and get all the accurate information um, in the places of power? Yeah. Well, and particularly those two things, climate change and public health, two things in my opinion that like you described, are sacred. And really, like, why are we arguing about the planet? Like, I have never understood the climate change debate. Yeah, why like, are we okay with letting corporations pollute rivers again? We've already been down this road. And if corporations did the right thing all the time, we wouldn't have had the law in the first place. The fact we have these environmental protections is because we've had people who continue to pollute and dispose in in water that becomes our drinking water, yeah. pollution in the air that we have to breathe. I mean, why don't we care more about ourselves than corporations and- Yeah, and, and that's what I don't understand. And so a lot of those, like there's certain political arguments that I think are genuinely worth, you know, listening to and debating and, you know, like approaches to the economy and, you know, the bank bailouts and, you know, and all those things I, I think are worth having a good discussion. And it's okay for me personally, I, I'm, I'm not ideologically stuck in one place. Like there are my beliefs that I hold strongly, but I'm willing, but certain arguments I'm not even willing to have. Yeah. Climate change is one of, I, like I just cannot believe, and, and, and if you look, at, and I know where it comes from, I think I know where it comes from, but if you look at the evidence that people offer to the contrary of what almost all the scientists are saying, right? And I'm not by no means an expert in this area, but I will say that I certainly have thought about it at least. If you look at the, even what they're trying to say, well, like I've heard like windmills are pollution. You know, they hurt birds. Like there was this, this, this long time ago, this article I read about how this young student was confronting a um, big oil tycoon, right? In, in a public area or not like he was giving a talk and she was doing a Q and A and whatever. And he like, was like, well, do you, how many birds are killed by wind turbines? Like, that's not even a legitimate counterpoint, right, to climate change, right? Because that was a question she was asking about right. fracking and things like that. And, and I'm going, and so for me, it's like these arguments are so ludicrous that I won't, I can't even give it the credit of acknowledging that it's possibly a legitimate point by having the conversation, right? It's like things like vaccines, right, and public health. Like, I mean, on some point, we have to, as a society, agree on what exactly is reality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I don't think we're ever going to really agree on those things. And that, and that's okay. I mean, I think that's part of what you know, makes us all different. We have different viewpoints and things like that. But at what point, as a society, are we willing to trust those people who are actually doing the research and are engaging? You know, um, there's a professor at Texas Tech came here at West Texas a and did a talk about climate change and talked about her faith in relation to it because a lot of times it's sort of this faith issue and you know she said i you know i don't i have my science to help me believe that climate change is real 
I have my science to recognize that while you may not feel like the earth's um, temperature is rising, try being a dolphin. They know that the temperature is rising because of the, the rise in the oceans has been so extreme compared to land. And it's a great talk. Mm. Um, and you have to be willing to open your mind and listen to those people who are studying it in order to actually have a more informed view. And I mean, I think most people who, who sit there and want to deny it probably can't actually have a, a good conversation about it in the first place. You mentioned anti-vaxxing too. I think climate change, anti-vaxxing, things like that, they're often based on one flawed study and it carries so much weight, which also gets this issue of veracity. So the whole point of research is, okay, you have a research study and then you're supposed to be able to replicate that study. And we're really bad as a community, an academic community, that we don't always publish replicated studies. So it's always about the innovative and the new. But we need those replicated studies to go, this is what's wrong with that study. Or, wow, we're finding similar things. Let's continue looking for these things. And so we need to support that kind of research and start as a public. Don't go, oh, there's that one study. Are there a lot of studies that have replicated it? Because if there's not, then we should not be acting on that one study yeah i think two things are at play there and i think the reason why there's a tendency to dismiss legitimate evidence to support you know let's say for instance the the vaccines work or climate change is is there is and this is an issue that i am i've highlighted i have highlighted in the past podcast and i'll continue to highlight is issues of power and because there are elements there are ivory towers that exist in academia Right. right. Whereas your regular guy walking down the street or gal walking down the street or other non-binary person walking down the street and it says it doesn't maybe understand the science on the level that, that the, the scientists do. And, and oftentimes there is, I feel, you know, and I'm in the academy, slowly trying to crawl further into the academy, um, that we don't do a good enough job, nor does, a, does the academy value taking the like high level concepts and the very technical concepts and communicating them in a way that's palatable to, or not even palatable because I don't want it to be tone police either, but I mean that is understandable to people who aren't as technically educated. Right. And, and, and I, so I think that there's a tendency to say like, this is, and this is me not being able to be one way or the other is that, there's a tendency for if, if, if they're not willing, if, if I as a layperson am not, if they're not willing to so, uh, like make it, simplify it to the point where I understand it without losing the integrity of what it is, then they're not, they don't care about me. And so then I'm going to write them off too. So I can, and so I think that's one of the flaws sure, uh, of, of the academy. And, and, and so, and so then, you know, when we, we, we don't, and, and, and so that's only, and, and even in the academy, when people who write for more popular audiences or more lay audiences, that's not valued, right? You see scholars, a book that, that, that synthesizes research, that's been highly technical research that's been written for a popular audience, you don't get, that doesn't give you, a, that, you don't get a lot of, uh, as much scholarly credit as you deserve. Right? Despite yeah. the fact that your research has touched millions of more people, or at least hundreds of I don't know. And that's maybe a conspiracy theory I have, but I, I definitely think that's a, a, something that we have to name, you know? Yeah, I think that um, 
we do need to find ways that that those who are researching absolutely can get it into popular press and be valued for doing that. I mean, I do think, and I think this is across the board, we've had that conversation a little bit too, that do we value labor regardless of where you work and what industry you're working in? Are we fully valuing all the different forms of labor? And it doesn't always look like 1950s patriarchal hierarchies of labor and work and what's privileged and valued. It There's too many layers and we need to start assessing those. You know, that was one of the things that I continue to hope for is that in this time where we are working from home and, and having to school our kids and recognizing our health care could be, you know, is uh, tied to our, our workplace is problematic and um, letting you know, all the stuff that we could be learning that we don't stop the learning that we start to go, you know what, we need to value more of the labor that we're doing because it isn't just this one piece. It's, it's multi-layered and what we do in the home does count as part of our labor because if we are not getting the help we need at home it's going to bleed over into the workplace and vice versa mm -hmm. absolutely Un undoubtedly so and and i think the uh because again i'm like i said i'm of two minds on most things and one is is i realize you know how difficult you know I, um it is to to have conversations with people who don't who reject like legitimate evidence but on the other side of it, I am contemptuous of people who hold the power, who hold the you know, that hold the knowledge, and then by proxy hold the power, right? right. And so, and so, um, and it's it's, I mean, it's the world according to Nate in this situation, and 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 so I get why, on some level, like at least from the political side of it, you know, why say the president's groupies have questioned or rejected the power, right? And, but at the other side of it, did you go, but wait a minute, this is, there's now, who knew historically of all the times in, the, in modern history, this is the time you need to be listening to the experts. And we're in a political landscape that's been cultivated in such a way that we don't value expertise or, or knowledge in the same way. And so since we're talking about veracity, how do we choose which experts to listen to? Because there are experts who maybe aren't as expert as they like to pretend they are, or they are themselves spreading false information. Because like we said, some of these studies that have been used, those people have continued to tout their studies, even though others have said, wait, there's flaws in their studies instead of, so we still want some veracity when we explore the credibility of those experts. You know, how is it they know what they know? And, and so what would, when you're looking at that, what would you dig into and kind of figure out who should I listen to? Like yeah, why Dr. I mean, Fauci? Why, you know, what, what makes us look into those people? I, I mean, are you asking me like, yeah, what, what, do I, what do I do? I do personally, I want to be able to see the information quoted in multiple places from independent sources. Right. So if I'm, if I'm talking, if I'm listening to the CDC, then I want to hear the world health organization, world organization say something similar. I want to see, you know, um, the scientists in Britain, I forget the name of the major health, uh, science scientific organization there. I'm looking, you know, I want to see similarly phrased, you know, and conclusions drawn, similar conclusions drawn from the same lived experience, right? Yeah. Um, and that's me personally. That's how I like to verify things. Um, 
And then it's also me going, I, I need to, I need to be well, I need to be well read enough to go, mm, that's BS. That's BS, you know, where I can call it. So I almost need to know like something of the, this, do you know what I mean? That's me personally. I kind of like to do that. That's sort of my, I find that fun. Not everybody, you know, that's not economically, for time-wise, it's not economical to do that. Right. But that's what I do. Is I, can I see it in more than one place? Um, and I do think that's a, a good call. I think looking even at, so those experts who do other people like that we can trust kind of turn to them. Do they tend to, to provide their expertise in a variety of areas? Because I do think um, part of what has undermined experts is this continual attack on particular people and particular industries even, you know, the liberal academy. And that, that really is a misnomer that you have liberal and conservatives working side by side and nobody's job is to turn your kid into a political, you know, pundit for them. That's not the goal of that. But because that moniker sort of sticks, there's this distrust that starts to come when we talk about you know people with PhDs and 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 it shouldn't be like that because we we while we might have some who have a PhD or have an MD or have whatever um, credentials that are shady or aren't doing their jobs or aren't the experts they have to be most probably are and most are working hard to do that and so it just takes a little digging to find into what kind of research have they done what kind of speaking engagements do they do um, what kind of expertise or how do they share their expertise and looking for that sort of thing so that we know, yeah, this is a credible person. Um, you've picked out people, for example, you've mentioned that you like to follow because you've looked into them and you've listened to them and you know, yeah, when they say something, I'm going to listen. I may still go look more up, but I, I've come to trust a lot of what they said. Yeah. Well, and I also think there's something to be said about intuition on a certain level. Sure. And, and, and I don't know, that's certainly not you know, an evidence-based remark to make, but in that, I don't know about you, but when I look at something that's really dressed up and looks pretty and it sounds legitimate, and there's always a little part of me that goes, are you sure? I need to see this in another place. You know, and, and, and I don't know that everybody's like that. I think part of it is, is um, just, it's a personality trait. You know, this, they talk about agreeableness, right? We've talked about that. Uh, and I'm not necessarily an agreeable person, so I want to, I don't, there's terms where I don't even agree with myself. I mean, I think when we've talked in these podcasts, you're like, okay, you're arguing one point, and then you went way on the other side, and you're arguing this other point to yourself. Um, so, but I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, essentially, we have to be thinking about, like, our intuition, like, how, how does that sit with you? Does it, does it sound good to not trust a doctor I mean how like is it does it even sound suspect you know and just checking in with a, your instinct I often tell my clients when they say well, what should I do in this situation I always kick that question back well, what do you think you should do and like nine out of ten times they say I think I should do this which is within it's a pretty good thing to do you know yeah. and so so we have mechanisms inside of us that are little I, I call them spider senses you know that tingle and go hmm I don't know, you know, and I think that you can trust that to a certain degree, right? I mean, I wouldn't like get lottery numbers on it or something, but it definitely, it's, it's a, it's something, it's a sense to go, mm, maybe this isn't the right idea, you know, and that's, that can be a legitimate place to start is my point. 
and, you know, you did say not, okay, maybe it's not everybody's personality or, or inclination to say, mm, I want to go check that out. But I think that that is part of the point is that we need to build that into our inclinations because we are getting fed too much false information. It's too easy on social media just to spread. And we've already seen that the bots and the, the Russian trolls and whatever else that are feeding that information and how have we learned how to be skeptical enough about information to go, okay, where did it come from? Is that website real? Um, let me look at the um, early part of that, that identifying thing and actually go look up that, that identifying information. Let's see what we can find on it. Let's see, you know, and learn where that information is actually coming from because oh, we sure. don't take the time to do it. We are paying the price because um, it affects our elections. It affects, it's going to affect our co companies potentially. It can it's affect affecting our health right now. And now it's affecting our health because misinformation is getting out. Um, and you know, like you were saying, if, if what we're getting is information about, let's take, for example, making masks right now. If you're not getting the right information and the right, the right pattern to make the right kind of mask, it's not going to work for you. It does, it does just put tissue in front of your face. Um, so even just that seems sort of innocuous, but you want the right things. Um, trying to figure out, can I take aspirin or ibuprofen or does it have to be Tylenol? And where's that, if that information keeps coming out or the one that keeps rearing its head is well it shouldn't we be better in summer because coronavirus doesn't survive well in the heat well that data has sailed it you know that was an early speculation but they think nope it it thrives just as well in the heat and humidity so that we're not gonna be able to count on that no but we we have to question that information consistently i definitely think that, yeah i mean it's it's you constantly i think have to come from a place of not knowing, you know, and I, and, and that's one of the things, I don't know, like, is, you know, we've talked about, I don't know that we really talked about, I'm a doctoral candidate, right? And so I'm in this process of like, of like learning about how little I actually know, like the more education you get, all it does is teach you how little you actually know. Right. Um, and, and so for me personally, the only way I can get comfortable with that ambiguity, because not everybody is, is that it's okay to not know. And it's okay to want to look it up. It's okay to go, it's okay to say, well, agree to disagree or whatever. Like, like it's, there are certain things that you, I mean, it's, it's okay to come from a not knowing place is what I should, it's a better way of saying that to then go towards gathering data and information, wherever that might be. Um, but I think there's a fear of like, like, you know, looking dumb or I don't want to be thought of as, as whatever, you know, um, and so we'll pretend to know. And it's like, there are, I often will say to my students, they'll ask me these really pretty technical, and I'll go, I don't know, let's look that up, you know? Um, and because I think there's a certain humility in it a little bit, you know, to say like, I don't know, maybe we need to look this up. Um, and, and, and so, you know, in that really, it, in veracity, you know, is a, uh, that's important to, if you don't know find out and admit that you don't know instead of making it up right right well and i think and we've talked about that ideology is be okay with looking things up even if it's not going to fit really well in your ideology and that's mm. difficult i mean it creates cognitive dissonance we don't feel comfortable when the information doesn't fit with the way we act or believe and so that can 
be an uncomfortable space, but we have to be willing or else we don't actually, even if, even if what I need to do is go find additional information so that I know how to best dialogue or debate with people who do disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Notice I did not say argue, mm-hmm. dialogue, you know, and we, we haven't been taught very well, right, to, to communicate with others who think differently than we do. Um, in my, uh, with my dad in particular, <laughs> you know, what we tend to, we will start arguing. Um, and usually there's something, not a whole lot, there's something politically that we might agree on that we can, we can hone in on. Now we can have a dialogue and we can talk about those things. You know, finding ways that we can communicate well with those who um, are on opposite sides it requires that veracity. We're willing to look for what we can identify as the most truthful and credible information. Um, there are moments when, like my dad will say, he'll say something, I'll be like, you know, I don't know enough about that. Let me go do some research first because I'm not going to argue with you about it until I know the details surrounding it. And that's really important. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, and I come from a space of like, Fine. If you don't want to research it, then at least be honest enough with yourself to say, I believe this because it fits and it feels good. That's fine. There's a totally legitimate, there's a totally legitimate like way to, to justify what you believe or think or, or whatever. But, but don't dress it up, you know what I mean, as something else. Don't put it in a costume. Like, like I said about my social media, there are things I post that are radical and likely do not have any like, footing in any kind of evidence. But I, I'm willing to admit that as I like how it sounds, you know, and I admit and I and, and me when friends tell me why well, I tell I think that way and I believe it because it feels good. So, all right. It's a, there's a function, you know, and that's to, like that, you have an emotional self. We're not all just walking brains, you know, that need to be logical. We have an emotional side that needs to be satiated. And so if it feels good, you know, that's fine. But but know the difference. Right. Be aware and be honest enough with yourself to go, you know, I, I, I mostly just believe this because I like how it's, it's like Santa Claus, right? We all know that maybe there are certain things about Santa Claus that are, are or aren't true, right? But if you're going to believe certain things about it, at least be honest with yourself, go, well, it feels good. And, it, and I like how it makes me feel, you know? And that's legit, to me, that's totally legitimate, right? Feel like our, our emotional selves need to be satisfied just as our cognitive selves, just as our physical selves. Um, and, but it's like knowing the difference. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, and because I think, you know, like, particularly in like political stuff, I've, I really try to have this conversation with myself a lot about, like, am I listening to this podcast, you know, because I want, I just want to like politically agree with somebody like, yeah, I like that, I, you know, I want them. And then I listen to other like, like the news and go, I just, I need to know what's going on. I, I, I have to be very conscientious about the function of that uh, uh of the place I'm getting my information. Like, why am I doing this? I'm, you know, like I'm watching Donald Trump's um, press conferences, not because I'm like, you know, waving my pom-poms here for, for the president necessarily. Instead, I'm there because I need information. I need, you know. Um, and then, but I'll listen to my, my other, my, my Vox podcasts or whatever and go because it feels good. And I, yeah, I wanna, I wanna agree with him and I wanna feel like, you know, emboldened in my beliefs and I want to have an, you know, this in-group, out-group experience. Um, but for me, but, but it's like a genuinely a conscientious choice. And I think, you know, with veracity, we can't conflate veracity with like, with like 
emotional satisfaction, right? Because not all the facts are going to be emotionally satisfying. And you, you, you were kind of talking about that. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think, I thought that was a great point about how does information function for you? Because we actually even talk about that when we do informative speaking. So what, know what the function is. Is it to teach something? Is it to just tell people about something? And it, it doesn't have a persuasive function when we talk about information. All it has is a learn, engage, that sort of thing, learn how to do something. Persuasion has a very different function itself, right? So we're going to set forward arguments, which is really, I think when you, like you talked about the news, is identifying the difference in the function. Um, do you have a news segment that's function is to just give forward information versus, and in our 24-hour news cycle, all the different opinion and pundits, and that's totally different. None of that is news. That's a very different function. And so knowing why are you listening to particular things. So I'm listening to this because I want the information. I'm listening to this pundit because they support my viewpoint. They help me get angry or, uh, you know, whatever I'm doing that's going to get me, my emotions going or make me feel comfortable or satiated, well, all those different things, um, what's that function? And I think I love that you said, so even when you put it on your Facebook, here's how it functions for me. And if somebody's going to be critical of it, I go, it's because I liked it. And they go, okay, cool. And you move on, right? Uh, and I, yeah, and I think there's, well, I'm definitely, I know the, the top, so, so like we've said, we've been arguing for veracity. And we're kind of getting into this network or this side of things where it's like, well, what's, you know, what, it's the opposite of veracity, which is like ignorance, I guess, or, or untruth or whatever. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think it would be false. It, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think it's ignorance. I think is that, that just means, okay, you don't, you need to engage in, and be educated about something. But I think the opposite is we are really getting false information. We're getting yeah. misinformation. That is the opposite. Right. And I think, you know, and like I said, as long as, as it's the function of it, is you're honest with, about it with yourself, about the function of it. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to go there and say, because what I want to say is, oh, it's okay if it's not true and it makes you feel good. Because that's a very dangerous path, right? But at the same time, there are certain um, things that like, that... I mean, I don't know. I just think of like people who like read fantasy novels, right? Like they know the dragons aren't real per se and that, you know, magic and all these things. But then there's like, they engage with it and, and it satisfies and satiates something, you know? So, and that to me would be an extreme example, right? So like, then let's take something that's just slightly left of, of if veracity is in the middle and, you know, let's take something kind of sidestepping from that. You know, and that's maybe not always, I don't think, of, I think a lot about like talk radio, right? Like Rush Limbaugh or um, uh, who's somebody on the left, but Rachel Maddow, right? Like those, to me, that's not news, right? Right, they're it, not. It, fun it, it functions, I mean, the Rachel Maddow for me, because of my political orientation, I'm like, yeah, it feels good and I like this and, you know, and I'm, yeah, I want to get mad, get my, pit, my, my pitchfork and torches, you know? And then for some people, Rush Limbaugh does that for them too. Um, and it's, I don't think it's fair to dismiss that experience I, um, so much, at, but I don't think that we should, we should give that as much credence as like, 
I mean, and it's hard to find, think of a good, like legitimate news source that's not got some kind of political slant to it. But um, it's just, again, I think it comes back to this function. You know, what is, what is it doing for you? Does it make you feel good or is it informing you, right? Because both are legitimate, but you got to decide. You can't conflate the two. You can't confuse what, which one is which. Well, and I think what's important too is, I, you know, you mentioned with ideology is going, okay, these things support my ideology and acknowledging that. So that, I mean, I think where this is important is, A, did, are we putting forward stuff that is factual? So even if, like listening to Rachel Maddow and she says something, are you willing to still go look at some other information, especially if you're wanting to pass it around or have other conversations with people um, and, and find different across different political spectrums to try to figure out. I mean, I do think it is more difficult today to find new segments because some that's been bleeding into it used to be, you easily could go, okay, this was, this was at the news desk. This is the news. And then we have all these other news programs and that, that has started to bleed some. And that's, that's kind of unfortunate really, because we do still need that really honest, straightforward journalism that's here, this is just the facts. Now you all can kind of play with that. You can go listen to the pundits if you want to and see how they're playing with it. But here it is, dry. Yeah. And, I think and, that that has a lot to do with our value, how we as a culture have come to value something going viral. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I hadn't thought about it that way, but, um, and honestly, I rarely ever watch any news programs. I. I read far more. So I read newspapers, a lot of different newspapers. Um, I read different websites that I like and that's how I, so that way I feel like I'm not getting the influence so much from all of the, the punditry. Mm. So yeah, just kind of figuring out how can, how can I feel like I've gotten the best information I can get without um, being so emotionally swayed. Of course that's, it helps a little that I'm not an overly emotional person. Mm -hmm. so I'm not thriving on that sort of thing, but I think, yeah, I mean, and I, for me, it's like, I, uh, like I said, I've talked about the function and then I think about where I get, like, I used to think NPR was like a good, rational, middle of the road place that you get your information, right? And then I just, just the facts, man. Um, and it seems I don't think this necessarily, and I still think, because I think there's media that's way more left-leaning than NPR, but there's been people who've argued that it's left-leaning. Yeah. Uh, and so then you're like, okay, well, does that disqualify it from being a legitimate news source? I mean, I don't know. I personally, no, I don't think so. I tend to think that NPR stories are as legitimate news as you can get, because like their, their news programs are like what 30 minutes long an hour long they're not trying to fill up a you know a full 24-hour news cycle nor are they trying to go viral it at least seems to me um and so when i think of like uh other things i've tried to do is like i'm gonna go out of the country let me think of news sites that are outside of the country let me go to al jazeera news let me go to you know is there anything how's the bbc you know even as like a amateur Portuguese speaker, I'm going, what is Brazil's news saying about what's going on in the United States? Um, and, and cause that's for me, that's like, I have to figure out a way to make sense of all this. Um, yeah. and no, not everybody like comparing international sources to us sources and going, Whoa, they got a different story than we did. <laughs> yeah. And I almost tend to wonder if what they're reporting is a little bit closer to the truth because they don't really have, now that's not always the case, but it seems to me that most of the time they're, stock in in what is you know how things are interpreted is a lot lower 
than in the United States. Like we know like the Washington Post is like the super liberal whatever. And then the, I don't even like the blaze for instance, I think Glenn Beck owns that, right? He's like super conservative or whatever. And, and so they have like how they tell the story is going to be very, not that I'm putting, by the way, not that I'm putting the Washington Post and the blaze in the same level. <laughs> way better journalism happens at the Washington Post. I'm just saying. Um, but you know, they have a, 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 how do I say, like a buy-in into how we, how they frame it, right? In terms of these outside sources, you know, like say, for instance, the BBC News, now, I don't know, maybe there's conspiracy theory there, but um, they don't tend to, it doesn't feel like they have as much to gain or lose from presenting a story from the United States. I think they also don't operate within the same political system, so they don't have that same ideology and that ideological bias coming through. And so, yeah, I think it is going to have a different tone and a different flavor to it. Um, I mean, we certainly would acknowledge that they have, they're going to have their bias according to, are they friendly with the United States? Um, are they angry with us at some point, you know, or they completely disagree with the way we're operating? I mean, boldly to watch for those types of things and the tone, but they're not operating under the Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal mm -hmm. kinds of, of processes that are inherent within our system. They have their own. I mean, conservative, liberal that exists all over the world, but it's filtering differently. So, so I think we still have a lot to gain when we look at those other sources. And it is another way for, again, for us to create kind of this well-rounded story of what's happening and how are they seeing things? And they're looking outside at the inside and what are they seeing? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I guess, and then so what's very interesting to um, think about is like coming back sort of to the, at least for me, the motivation to have this conversation is the public health, right? Right now, which is the major thing. I mean, a lot of what we've talked about can be applied to certain, many different things, the election, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, what I think is like the public health. So, so for me, that news and information functions very differently there than it would say in politics, right? For me, pub, po politicizing public health is literally the dumbest thing humans can do, you know? Yet it's happening. People are taking advantage of it. So we do see in other countries where authoritarian governments are totally taking advantage. Um, I sort of, I was talking, my dad and my family are really into Christmas movies. And I was like, uh -huh. I feel like all these Christmas movies are coming to life and nobody, nobody actually took them to heart. Like, I feel like the, the potters from It's a Wonderful Life are, are the ones who aren't panicking and are hoarding all of the money and the stuff, right? And I feel like, you know, like, with Dan Patrick is like Scrooge saying, let the surplus population die, you know? <laughs> I'm like, wait, we, these Christmas movies already warned us about all these things and they were bad things, right? We didn't like Potter and we, we needed Scrooge to transform yet. <laughs> we're, we're in this space where we are seeing people taking advantage of the situation and they can do that because of misinformation, false information, um, not clear information even. So if you're getting one story this day, you're getting something else tomorrow. You know, I think if from the very beginning in the United States, the story had been, this is a serious illness. There are serious consequences. We don't know what it's going to look like and how it's going to travel, but we're going to take this seriously every single day. I think we'd have, we'd be in a different place right now, mm -hmm. but because it's been, Oh, it's no big deal. It's just like the flu. It's, you know, we're getting all this misinformation that that has led us to the space we are in today. Yeah. Which is an extraordinary, one of the major tragedies of the situation, among many things, is, is that we had time, right. you know, um, but 
anyway, I mean, the point is, is that as we move forward, I asked, you know, the listeners, like, to think about, well, before you share something, ask yourself, what is the function of this? And if it's to, to, you know, share information, is it legitimate? Okay. And, and I don't know, that, that would be like my call to my friends, family, and listeners, you know, it's like, if you're going to share something, either make sure it's true or you're honest and you say, mm, this just makes me feel good. Either way, it's legit. It's totally cool either way, but like it, make the decision one way or the other. Hey, I think that was a great place for us to wrap this up. and kind of encapsulated the, the last of this. So um, we just kind of want to close by reminding you to take care of the extroverts in your life.